So early, early rock and roll, rhythm of blues, rockabilly. That's 1968. Who's that by, Jeff? Archie Bell the Archie Now you got to know, this song's important to this podcast. I cannot oh. tell you how important this song is to this podcast. Because I was a huge Archie Bell and the Drells fan when I went uh-huh. to college. And I went and saw, went to a party and there was a band <laughs> playing. And they started playing Tighten Up. And I was like, because I and uh the uh, lead guitar player playing that song was one Benjamin Horn Barton. Yay! Uh, let's go! Fuzz staple! And they no played way. the hell out of this song. And I was like, A, I'm coming, becoming friends with that guy. And B, how am I not in this that band? is amazing. So, I had no idea. generous to say that we played it well, but we did in fact play it. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Yes, we had... I, I don't like it. I, I listen every day that's not above eighty. I'm happy for. I don't like the heat, so I'll take the cold. Oh man, I am so uh, in disagreement. I'm just, I, I feel old on days like today, where I'm like all bundled up and everything. It's late April. We call that higgy. You're higgy to me. What is higgy? I've never heard that. <laughs> that's like Swedish for cozy. I love it. He's getting higgy with it. That's right. Uh, Jeff Simons, you doing well out in Berkeley, California? Yeah, the weather, we are having two or three days of California magic. It's been the coldest winter anybody can remember in the last three days. have just been like beyond. All right. Um, well, so yeah, things are good. We are uh, 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys on the Electricast podcast network. Welcome uh, love to love to have these listeners on board with us. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Connect with us through Facebook and do us a solid and go ahead and leave us a rating and or a review. Uh, gentlemen, the monthly downloads are looking pretty darn good still. All right. Uh, the United States, uh, we're getting, I think, 3,500 downloads a month or listens. Uh, the, the folks in India continue to help us out. Um, so we're going to have to do a musical road trip to India at some point. Do you know any Indian Indian uh, musical artists? All, I, all, all I've got <laughs> you is... you got to warn us, Timmy. All, I, all I've got and is... Now we heart. look like jackasses. I've got uh, George Harrison. That's all I've got. Um, So I actually did some snooping because I was... Um, looking up some other stuff related to Electrocast, the uh-huh. Electrocast Media Empire. And I think there's a couple of podcasts out there we should reach out to that are doing interestingly similar but importantly different work from us that we'd uh, be fun to connect with. But we are uh, we had cracked the top 100 of music history podcasts, according to Apple's. Uh, yeah, we got thing. up to 50. Yeah. So yeah. nice so. job. Uh, us. Uh, although it is it is the time to warn our uh, listeners, uh, especially first time listeners right now. Uh, I am not good with certain uh, 
pronunciations. And today's city uh, is really the bane of my existence when it comes to trying to pronounce it. Houston. Now, wait a minute. What? We are not doing Houston, right? We're doing a big old Texas, and then we're going to do another big old Texas, because my artist is not from Houston. We talked about this a lot last night in the pregame. Sorry, I just have to call time. I would just like to say to the listeners, I want to call attention to the unprofessional texting that is intermixed with, like, Knicks updates. Like, who cares about the Knicks? Who cares about the Warriors? Who cares about the Knicks? Timmy, you're coming out hot tonight. You're coming out hot tonight. Hey, Jeff Simons, don't make me call a timeout. Oh, that's that's a good reference. By the way, he's making a Warriors Steph Curry timeout joke, which is just awesome. (laughs) As, As of this taping, two incredible things have happened in my life. The first is that Darren Fox broke his finger and is doubtful for the rest. Oh, no. And Tucker Carlson is no longer employed. It's been quite a day here at the home (laughs) office. Good stuff. I I wouldn't worry too much about Tucker. I I think he's going to land on his feet. Tom tells me he's going to be okay. He's going to fall on his feet, I think. But he has been fired by Fox and CNN. And 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 CNN. And MSNBC. He's actually been fired from all three news networks. Over the course of his career. Oh, I see. Over the course of his career. Yeah. There's something about a kind of an amazing trifecta. Of That's being pretty good. So it's uh, like being kicked out of every fast food joint for being unruly. <laughs> I've been kicked out of an Arby's and McDonald's and a Burger King. <laughs> All right. So just so the kids can see behind the screen, a lot of my information tonight may be on Houston because I thought we were going to go Houston and then the rest of Texas. That's fine. That's great. So, for instance, you, I think you say Houston just fine. I think you're doing great. Well, I'm I'm really concentrating because normally I would say Houston. Houston, got and it. That's incorrect. Um, but we could talk about all of Texas right now. Well, that's I good am, to know. I am happy with that. But as long as we're arriving in the Lone Star State, we gotta we gotta have some music to kick us off. Get us in the right frame of mind. Gentlemen, CZ Top. Rumors spreading round. United Texas town. About to check outside the game. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Just let me know. If you wanna go to that whole mile on the range, they got a lot of nice girls. ZZ Top start. When did they form as a band? 1969, in fact. Wow. ZZ Top formed as a trio and maintained the entire trio through their career until until, uh, the passing of some members. But uh, the first record is 1971, which is cleverly called ZZ Top's first album. 
<laughs> and then they make Rio Grande Mud. And then this record, Tres Hombres, in 1973 is the one that blew it up for them. And that's got Tush on it too, right? Yep. It's also got Jesus Just Left Chicago. It's a damn fine record. I have always loved this song. I first heard the song in like the ninth grade. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I find it. That sounds fun. Powerful. We covered it in my high school band and, uh, you know, not well. We did our best, but. Uh, who I just who remember- mumbled? Who was the mumbler? Uh, Demario was the mumbler, and it was like he did. He try to do the oh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, he did his best, but it sounded like a fourteen-year-old going oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> But we should have fun playing it. That song kicks so much ass. That's great. Well, so what? They had this whole career before legs, and then yeah. it seems like after legs, it's just kind of MTV pop. Well, there's two ZZ Tops. There's pre-MTV and post-MTV, but they were brilliant. They figured it out. They had this record called Eliminator, and they were going for a big hit. They switched to electronic drums, and they smoothed out all the sounds, and they 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 just figured out, like, if we do some kind of dumb thing where we have three pretty women and we're like these ghostly figures that are like, yeah, about this car. And it just exploded. Yeah. And those songs are great. I mean, Give Me All You Love and Sharp Just Man and Legs are all just... Those songs are not great. Those songs up. suck. Those, those songs do not suck. Legs? That record those are sucks. amazing pop songs. Everybody in this audience can sing Strongly all three of those disagree. songs. So boring. Nope. So boring. Nope. It's literally uh, about a body part. That's what <laughs> no, the song... I'm not saying it's a good. I mean, it's so catchy. Those songs are so catchy. They're oh, so perfect for 1983. Disagree. I hated them. I, like, uh, I hated them so much that I went backwards and, and erased Tush and Lagrange. I just, I, oh, wow. I just despised them. You wow. have no sense of humor. That was one of the most like self appoint. Like, that's a Ben winking at its own. No, CD. it is not. That's a bad oh, thing. Absolutely, have a great sense of humor. Those guys. I'm completely with Timmy. They winked their way right to the bank. Yeah. They were just laughing. They just thought it was hilarious. Right on top of their uh, mound of cash. Ben Barton, you're. No, I do not begrudge ZZ Top its mound of cash. Ben, oh, I be- I begrudge every nickel of it. Like, <laughs> oh, you guys. Have, I'm so disappointed to hear that. I have a soft spot for ZZ Top. Uh, I always. Have I knew that when you said those songs were good. Yeah. That was when yeah, I knew that, that you was, had a soft that spot the, for them. That was uh, the I, giveaway. I can play, play every song on Eliminator for sure from memory right now on several instruments. I know that That's because so of their well. horrible keyboard parts, which is what you learned. <laughs> oh, they really are. That's it gets so worse, sad. though. When the car becomes a space shuttle and they're playing yeah. like sleeping bag yeah. and stages, then things really go absolutely the off. Fact the fact that you're naming those songs, that's like I know, horrible. eight, eight years bag? after legs. I've sleeping time, my sleeping bag. <laughs> so also, 80. I just want to make it clear. I'm taking now the I power remember. station over ZZ Top easy. In a, oh, yeah. wall, in a knockdown. Like, that's oh, yeah. The power station one. was great, too. <laughs> How? If there were 25 Power Station records, we'd be talking about the Power Station. <laughs> I love how they're like, uh, how can we appeal to the 15-year-old boy? Okay. Legs. Did it work? A car, and then the car into a spaceship. Here's the I thing. Mean... What did ZZ Top do but just take country music and make it and make it ironic so we could giggle at it rather than pretend like it was serious and have a big hit? But like country music is just girls, cars, and rainstorms, but for real. At least Easy Top was was goofing around. That's how I feel about it. 
Okay. I'm sticking with that too. Did, did you like know, Timmy? Jeff's the yes. only one with a beard too, so he's got to stand up. Ah, beard, you know, barely a beard, barely. This is <laughs> they, barely hanging onto this thing for dear life. They did have uh, guitars that spun around, attached to their belts or something. That I thought neat. that was pretty neat. All right, well, gentlemen, we are uh, in Texas. What a what a state Texas is. Um, and they've got a lot of great cities. Um, one of those cities is Houston, uh, Texas. Um, how come? Well, first of all, have either of you been to Houston, Texas? I have. Yes. Uh, how often? As much as New Orleans? Oh, no. No, God, no. Twice. And once against my will, a flight got rerouted to Houston. Uh, I don't know if that counts. I mean, did you actually like, get out of the airport? Not the second time, no. Okay. So I, I guess what I'm asking is like people can immediately associate things with Chicago or LA or San Francisco or New York. Here's the fourth largest city in America. And I don't I don't really have any associations that come up um oh, I right do. away. What do you got, Jeff? Earl Campbell. Okay. Skull, brother. <laughs> that's that's Houston for me. <laughs> Beginning, middle, and end. Okay. Okay. Late the, 70s running back for the Houston Oilers, the untackable yeah. Earl Campbell, who was doing chewing tobacco commercials back when it was okay to advertise chewing tobacco. That's on right. Television. That's right. And he's walking down the beach, and this guy's like, Hi, Earl. And he turns around and goes, Skull, brother. And then he goes <laughs> and chases me down. That's a great. Uh, that's an yeah, indelible that's mark a- on my childhood. That's a fun YouTube uh, uh, 20 minutes of just looking at Earl Campbell runs because oh he God. was remarkable. Something else. Where his shirt starts getting ripped apart and stuff. Yep, and he's still running. Uh, ben Barton, any associations with Houston? What, what uh, do you think No of? zoning. Houston famously no zoning. So that's why you have factories next to strip clubs, next to apartment yeah. buildings. Yes. That's so so wait, say, say more. What does no zoning mean? They don't. They don't have like residential versus business versus anything yes i mean maybe that's changed but i mean as Uh originally designed they had no zoning whatsoever and they were famous for that it's sort of more texas freedom and so it's a bizarre mishmash of things where there's just stuff all jammed next to each other and in particular there's just strip clubs everywhere i'm pretty sure there's a supreme court case about that because um the strip clubs are like next to churches and it made people sad (laughs) okay okay you don't want competition on your Sunday uh, mornings. Um, sure. So it's a incredibly uh, diverse city. So we have a new game uh, for the podcast called the race and ethnicity breakdown. Are you guys ready to play? Brought to you by I white people. Like... What could go wrong? Hey, <laughs> oh thanks for playing. I can't even believe. Send your cards and letters to <laughs> first of all, and also Timmy. Different. Like it's just sitting. You just call it the census. We're like we're just it's the census time. You don't have Abs- to say race and ethnicity <laughs> breakdown. The okay, but first, the U.S. census the defines so can we it please as define yes. the difference between race and ethnicity for our readers. Tim, would you do that at the start? It, indeed, <laughs> the U.S. census defines it as race and race and ethnicity because uh, un- under certain censuses, um, Hispanic people are of course white, but the U.S. Census has broken it down even further. Hispanic and Latino, non-Hispanic whites, black or African-American, Asian, which is this lovely catch-all for everyone from Asia. So I would ask you two white gentlemen, which order would you put those four groups in 
when thinking about the diversity of Houston? All right, so I'm going to say that Houston is a majority-minority city. That's my first note. Indeed. And then I'm going to put it white, Latino, African-American, Asian. With white being a plurality, but not... um, but the biggest of those groups. Okay. I Jeff, have no you... notes. No notes. Um, the Hispanic Latino population of Houston is 44%. Wow. Okay. So they're going to be number one. They're number one. Uh, the the uh, white, non-Hispanic white is 23.7% of Houston. Wow. Uh, black African-American, 22.1%. And then Asian, 7.1%. Yeah. Uh, what a neat, neat little breakdown. And of course, it's African-American population goes all the way back to its um, its founding as a city within the American construct. Of course, it was populated by peoples going back 2000, 3000 years um, uh, and named for Sam Houston, who declared independence from Mexico and declared Texas and free and independent state. Which has worked out really well when it comes to um, electricity and power. And landmass. <laughs> um, Houston boasts the second most Fortune 500 company headquarters um, out of any American city. Who's number one? New York. New York City is it. So Houston comes in second. I'm shocked by that. It's it has a GDP that is 478 billion. That's more than the country of Colombia, more than Iran, and more than United Arab Emirates. Houston, Texas. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I think I gotta visit it. <laughs> Jeff, I did, did not like Houston. Did you I did play not. There? And of course, I feel bad now because it's gonna yeah. sound like. You pointed out white people only 20%. I'm like, I did not care for that city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, huh. Did you play there, would, Jeff? No, no, I never played uh, there. I, I, I can't remember. It was it was only one night. I haven't night. been there since the 90s. And my understanding yeah. from people who live there and work there is that it's gotten a lot nicer. And That's that, great. Yeah. Like cool food there and great Mexican food and all that stuff. I'm with Jeff. I I, I just, I, I can't, I went in the summer. It's tough. Oh, yeah. that's right. The summer. That's right. Um, and it was just like not not to my liking. I have a All much right. longer traveling in Texas story, but I should save that for next week. <laughs> the non Houston yeah. podcast. It, uh, it depends on uh, if I need material. So hold your horses, Texas. Uh, and let's get to the oh torture basement. Kimmy's on uh, fire today with the hold your horses joke. Um. Uh, I have good news and bad news about the torture basement. Which would you guys like first? There's the no good news. news about the torture basement. Uh, the bad news is we've got we've got a bit of a revenge tour. You may remember last week you guys did extraordinarily well. Um, and this wasn't anything of my doing. It's just sometimes this is the way the ball bounces. Uh, hey, Timmy. You, um, yeah. I had a really lovely uh, conference that I went to at Pitt Law School. Okay. About changing american law schools and looking at the future and there's this fantastic feminist legal scholar cool. who launched into how law schools are all built on hegemonic masculinity 
Yes. And then when she defined hegemonic masculinity, she defined it as everything must be a competition. Everything's a zero sum game. When someone wins, somebody else loses. And I'm just going to say you've turned uh, this lovely, fun game where Jeff and I guess songs into just a hegemonic masculinity <laughs> exercise. When we get the songs, that's good. That's that's fun for us and for the listeners. You don't have to make it harder yeah. so that we're more sad. Uh, it's true. I'm, I'm starting to not feel safe I, in, the, I, the I, in, the Georgia, in the Georgia basement. It might just be... Um, that when artists mention Houston, those songs don't really resonate with people. Oh, so you screwed us this week. No, basically. I'm just saying I found a lot of songs with Houston uh, and they were not hits. So how many how many songs are we talking about? We've got 15 songs. And let's say you only have to get 10. Oh, only have to get so 10. Hard. But I, I oh will pre- I will predict, you know how you didn't have to listen twice last week? I will predict the second lesson this week. First of all, that wasn't an insult to you, Tim. We didn't do that to, to make you mad so that you would punish us worse. I love that our talent um, means more punishment. This is what happens in elite athletics, too. Like, you accidentally show some ability at age seven, and they pull you yeah. out of school and start working your seven hours a day. Ben, ben, right. Bar- ben Barton taught me this. The reward, the reward for good work is what? More work. Let's yeah, go. Fortunately, true. Here we go. Well, it's lonesome in this old town. <laughs> I actually know who that Everybody is. Everybody puts me down. I'm a face without a name. Just walking in the rain. Going back to Houston. 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 Oh, I see what you did there. I haven't eaten in about a week. I'm so hungry when I walk, I squeak. Houston, new bad, new bad Houston. The country's young, but the land is deep. Houston, new bad. I dream about Houston. Got that one.
The song is about heaven, alright? The song is about heaven, alright? Houston, I said the song is about heaven. I said the song is about heaven. If it's about heaven, I want you to clap with me. Clap, clap. Come on. Let's go. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I only think I got eight and a Not, couple of guesses. Time for a commercial. Pew. If it's my heaven, I want you to clap with me. Clap, clap. Come on, come on. Houston, Houston, come on. Uh. Wait, isn't, uh, is Joel Austin from Houston or is he in Dallas? Dallas, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Is he in Dallas? Okay. Do you, want me, you want me to look that up for you? No, no. I was just curious. Um, uh, the religiosity of that struck thinking me. About, thinking about getting a pamphlet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Joel Osteen. Maybe I do deserve riches. Kind of makes sense. Huh. All right. Are we back? Uh, all right, gentlemen. We are back in the torture basement. You need 10 to get out of here. Uh, who wants to start us off? You got the first one? No. I have like... It's Dean Martin. Sad. The first one's Dean Martin for sure. Dean Martin is correct. And I too want to kind of have a Dean Martin vibe going in my life. I, I like mean, I like that. Maybe, maybe. I'm just yeah. gonna start singing this song and I'll stop singing <laughs> it when it's over. And it'll be a big, big hit. All right. <laughs> and then it's the same song. I think it's a cover. I have no idea who that is. I know who I think it sounds like, but it's not. Ben, any guesses? Sense. No. 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 I mean, who do you think it sounds like, Jeff? Let's, let's talk it out. I think it sounds like Ricky Lee Jones, but she this, it doesn't fit the anything. That's not Ricky Lee Jones, no. No, I don't All think right. so either. Okay. All right. All right. It was a Ricky Lee Jones. You're shitting me. <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, was, my God. It was Ricky Lee Jones. I am so good at this. It's amazing. I don't know. <laughs> Too bad you didn't. Oh, you, you were scoring that to me. <laughs> believe me. <laughs> can't believe it. Why did she record that? I don't know. Uh, all right. Oh what, what about number three? No idea. Are they saying Houston goodbye? No, Houston Dubai. Houston, Houston Dubai. Dubai. I, Houston, I have no idea. Uh, that was Vampire Weekend. No way. Oh. I actually kind of like that. Huh. I can uh, check that out. All right. And then you got the fourth one. Black Crows? Black Crows is correct. All right, I actually have that one. Although I thought maybe it was yeah. Chris Robinson band, but great. I'll take Black Rose. Um, right. And then this fifth one is either Lone Justice or Maria McKee, right? Oh, I love Lone Justice. Uh, no, it's not. not. Did Shit. you have a guess, Ben, for five? No. It was uh, old friend Bette Midler coming back with those 70s no rock way. songs. Yeah, she's crushing it. God. Bette Midler she could sing. She's, and I happen uh, to know this next one because I like this artist. That's the Reverend Horton Heat, is it that not? That is correct. That is the Reverend okay. Horton Heat. That is four for you. And you got the next one? Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop is correct. Uh, and no idea on the 90s pop song. I would. I want it to be TLC because I really like them, but I don't know if it is their mother or not. I have no idea. 
I in, or in vogue. I, or embedded like a, I embedded a hint. I, I let it go on so that she said the fourth place. So she uh-huh. starts with Houston, Atlanta, New York. And then the fourth place was Puerto Rico. Is it J-Lo? It is J-Lo! Did I give you that we one? Don't get that, though. All right. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, uh, that next song I really hated. Boy, did I hate that next one. Yeah. Houston, Houston we, have, we a have a problem. problem. Our All right, is so on hold, the on, line. hold on. Let's talk this out. This is a modern country artist. Yep, yep. And it's not the one that Tim really likes. And it's not the one who's from Australia. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't know any of these guys. They're all interchangeable to me. Well, not not that modern. Not too, too modern. I know, but sometime in the 80s, 90s, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Sorry. No clue. What do you got, Ben? Guess? No. Uh, It was Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, Houston. actually, no. I went. That's earlier than I would have gotten. So yeah, I me would, too. I, I thought it was more modern out. than that. Okay. Um, uh, Glenn Campbell, right? Glenn Campbell, who also is ri- rival to uh, Chuck Berry for most appearances in the torture. Oh, Glenn right? Campbell really could play guitar. I don't know if you've done seen the YouTube where Glenn Campbell plays live on the Louisiana Hayride. He no, really shred. Really, uh, my dad loved Glenn Campbell. I got a lot of Glenn Campbell early in the DNA. Okay, I'll I will check out his guitar because he's never mentioned when you hear like lists of top guitarists. Yeah, he's not known for guitar at all. He's just like he's one of those guys who got signed Joe, when you had to be really good, and so Joe, he was really good at everything. Joe yeah. Satriani, Glenn Campbell. Campbell. No. The next right. is Willie Nelson, correct? Bloody Mary Morning, that is correct. Willie Nelson, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Two more. I don't think I'm gonna get them. The next one, I don't know who it is, but they're ripping off Eurythmics Missionary Man so hilariously. I can't believe it's not a cover of that. Let's guess but B-52s. That was your guess. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Out. B-52s. I don't think yeah. it is, though, because we it would is, know that it's good enough. It, it that is, if it was B-52s, we would know it. It is Wilson Phillips. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> good job by you, Jimmy. <laughs> Welcome to the torture basement. Good uh, Lord. And then what's the creepy song? ZZ Top from the Tejas record. is correct. So that's I may nine. or may not be a kind of a secret ZZ Top fan. <laughs> Apparently, the Tejas record. <laughs> All right, we got. Well, we need one more out of these last two. Uh, the I think the I, I think it's fourteen. I think it's Coldplay. Coldplay that's who I was thinking correct. of too. Correct. They wrote. Jimmy! Oh my God, that's crazy! What they, the hell record is that from? It is not from a record. They wrote that song after the uh, hurricane and the flooding, and they were playing in Miami. And they said they just wrote it that afternoon, and they sent it out with love to Houston. Wow, oh, heartwarming! Nice job. That is. Oh, you guys did it. What's the last one? No idea. Modern we, gospel. We never talk about modern gospel. That was Kurt no, Franklin. Do you guys know Kurt, Kurt Franklin? I'm, I'm embarrassed to say a gigantic hole oh, in my knowledge. He is awesome. Awesome. Uh, all right. You guys did very well, I thought. I would say. You got out I'm of the taking that Ricky Lee Jones poll to my grave. I cannot believe that was right. Yeah, that's pretty so good. Remember, and- Jeff, we didn't do well. We need more help next time. Thank you, Tim. 
That's Thank right. You. Sorry, sorry, We're just sorry. hoping that you can find more kindness in your heart <laughs> next time. Um, hey, real quick, can you give me the lowdown on the Reverend Horton Heat? Oh, he's just this great. He was one of the early kind of white stripeish, super stripped down like Violent Femmes. Like it's just a bass and a guy smashing a snare drum, and he's like, okay. uh, he was like the big bopper. Do you remember that? Like, of course. He's like a punky version of that. Like there's lots of whoops and hollers. He was huge on WHFS, which was the alternate radio station in DC that I listened to obsessively right, as a kid. Right. And he one of his songs was in the Friday night, Friday afternoon block. They played the same six songs every Friday at five to to like announce the weekend. And that he was in that block. Wait, for Along like with a Joe year? Kim Carrasco and the crowns. So the same six songs to kick he off. Played, the- yeah, the Weasel, the afternoon DJ, played the same five songs every Friday to announce that it was the weekend. And that- so, like, you, when we were kids, we were like, oh, Party Weekend by Joe King Carrasco must be a gigantic hit, like, every breath you take. And it turns out only nope. kids who grew up in the D.C. area know it. So. <laughs> That's really fun. All right, uh, Ben Barton, we have time for a travel story. Oh, Finish. all right. So Yeah, let's do it. Uh, India Kim Cannon, my beloved wife, graduated from college in 19. 19- oh, this is a great story. Okay. And we took her sister's car, a Saturn, and we packed up and we drove, spent the whole summer driving across the country and back, visiting friends and family. India's father is from Texas. And so we hopscotched through Texas, visiting various members of her family, all of whom I assume have now passed because they were really old in 1993, including Uncle Jiggs, Uncle Gemma, Aunt Min, Aunt Lou, like just like super old fashioned names. Uh, They lived in a straight line and we visited them all. Dallas, and I'm going to get the order of this wrong, but these are the towns we visited. Dallas, Waco, Waxahachie, Temple, and Austin. And each one of these places, we stopped, had a meal, stayed at their house. Freaking fantastic. Uh, to give you a hint for the flavor of it, the first place we stopped is in Dallas. And this the Dallas trip was actually really, really amazing. Um India's like eighth cousin was the accountant for the Mavericks before it was owned by Cuban, whoever the previous owner was. And it was NBA draft night. So we went to the Mavericks draft party and oh sat at God. the table with the accountant and the GM. Super That's outstanding. Fun. Anyhow, that was Uncle Gemma. Okay. They were going on to stay at Aunt Min's house. And for listeners of the podcast, you haven't heard this before. I have celiac disease, so I can't eat wheat, which was a much stranger thing in 1993 than it is now. Uh huh. So India's trying to explain to her aunt, because we're going to eat there. And uh, previous places that we've shown up to eat have been like, here's here's white bread with extra bread with some wheat gravy with some other wheat for you. <laughs> and I'd have to be rude. And I i mean, it was it was a disaster. So I was like, you have to tell these people ahead of time. So she's trying to explain it to Ant-Man. Eat bread! Oh. And then there's a little pause. Then he goes, no, not even white bread! <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's a fair explanation of the situation. Can't eat uh, bread, even white bread. Uh, that nails it. One of my favorite parlor games from that time in my life before celiac disease was a known thing was 
Ben explaining to people that he couldn't eat wheat and then having them ejaculate other things he couldn't eat over the next two and a half hours. Like <laughs> they would cover all the basics. Yeah, and then, right. Like, we'd be having a conversation about like geopolitical things and somebody right. go, pizza! And we go, no, not pizza either. I mean, I could like, I could set my watch to it, watching people's oh, brains break golly. as they realize the limitations on Ben's diet. Did you? Funny, so it was, was a fantastic trip. And like, yeah. These were people who were wealthy and who lived in poverty and who were old and who were young and who were sick. It was amazing. Um, super fun. That sounds really great. Really great. Um, and Jeff, you've been to Austin several times, right? Yes. Yes, I have. And you have played there. I have played in Austin several times. Last time I went, I was playing bass for Angelo Moore, who is the lead singer of Fishbone. Yes. And we played 11 shows in three days. And just It was so great. Wait, wait, I wait. Let me do the math there. That's yeah. more more than three a day. Yeah, one day we did, I think we I think we did five on one day and two on another. But you, you know oh, you play man. the whole town is just every every flat surface is a gig space. And I remember we had like three within four hours of each other. And uh, Depredo and I were taking um, bicycle cabs from gig to gig. Like he was holding his amp off one side, and I was holding my little amp off the other. And we had the our uh, our instruments on our back and the guys were just peddling us across the city to gigs. Oh my God. That is really cool. All right. Well, we've got to get to the favorite daughter. I don't know if she's she's probably the favorite daughter of Texas, right? But she's certainly the favorite daughter of Houston. Uh, Can you guys think of an act from Texas itself? That's bigger than Beyonce. That's going to be tough. That's going to be really tough. It's, it's I, tough to come up with acts that are bigger than Beyonce. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know if I right. can come up with one period. Yeah. I actually uh, went to my um, new agent GPT AI to get a little help on, on a little Beyonce perspective. So I'll, I'll give you some info that my AI assistant came up with after we hear from the favorite daughter from the state of Texas, Beyonce. <laughs> Corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy, Alabama. Mama, Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. Sauce in my bag, swag. I see it, I want it, want it. I took yellow, want it, want it. I dream it, I work hard, I grind till I own it, own it. I twirl all my middles, I buy no alligators, get up, lean over the needles, sipping careful and no chill out, chill out. I go out, I go out, I go hard. All right, here's what our agent says. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, what do you got? Uh, what's your favorite lyric in that song? Oh, oh, right. Uh, you can't take the country out of me. Like that oh, one? I, I knew Timmy wasn't going to choose mine. What's yours? I got hot sauce in my bag. My oh, favorite. I can't believe I'm the only person wise enough to choose. Fuck me good. I might just take you to Red Lobster. <laughs> this is <laughs> the funniest joke of Did all time. Did you say that? I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah. Dear Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck me good. I might take you to Red Lobster. 
That, the, that the really is hilarious. Was, the song was released two days before the Super Bowl, and then she uh-huh. played it at the Super Bowl halftime show as the first thing. And uh, the Red Lobster sales spiked. There was like a two-week <laughs> spike at Red Lobster of women taking men there and saying, you know why we're here. We want the surf and turf. <laughs> <laughs> that is outstanding. That really is great. That's, you know, that's, probably, that is, that's the high point of that franchise, beginning, middle, and end. I was going to say, Red Lobster must have been over the moon. Wait, oh, wait, yeah. wait. Oh, Beyonce said me? what? For sure. Red Lobster <laughs> was like, we need 4,000 pounds of that big shrimp stat. <laughs> oh, man. That is great. Um, so much ass. Yeah. Um, and I think I've um, I think I've recommended this before, but if I haven't, the uh, Beyonce live at Coachella. Oh, the homecoming uh, version is off the hook. A drum line behind her. Oh, it's insane. So unbelievably good. It's insane. Like yeah, it's, Gabby- than, it's her best. It's the best. It's my favorite Beyonce recording. I listened to the live yeah. show from Coachella more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's fair. Great. I should really show that to my students here in, in the uh, dog days of the spring. I mean, that is an artistic statement that I think they could wrap their heads around more so than like uh, the railroad acts of the 1890s. Speaking and of if you haven't heard music. it, it's like she gets a historically black college yeah. drum line yeah, right, and right. whole horn section behind her and doesn't have other backing band. It's not nope. like they come and go. The entire thing is this like drumline horn show with her singing over it. She reimagines all of her songs with this as the backing band and then has all of the whistles and the yelling and the drum guy going and the your thing. I mean, it's freaking fantastic. Insane. It's such yep. an unbelievable hook in of the past to the future to her as a just through line in African-American experience and culture. Just amazing. And it's freaking live. It's just a live yeah. show. And she d- debuted the whole thing like there was no warning about it. Again, it's uh, I, I've said this about Jay Z at um, at Bonnaroo. Like, why would she be so good at Coachella? There's no reason for it. I know whatsoever. it's just, it's just hard work. Yeah. Like, she could just show up and uh, first of all, I mean, I, this is not shade at all. I mean, she could just show up and play her greatest hits, which would be amazing. Would be a great show. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. But instead, to do that, it's just like oh, so ballsy. Um, speaking of live music, I saw Fish last week. <laughs> oh, did you really? That's outstanding. Did we go over how stupid I am? Did we go over this on the podcast? Let's hear it. I get an email that says you can go in for lottery for fish tickets if you click this link from the fish website. Okay. I was like, oh, sure. They're playing the Greek. I love the Greek. I can walk there from my house. I will put in for fish. I didn't even read it. I was like, Sure. I wasn't putting in for the opportunity to buy tickets. I was putting in that I would buy tickets if I won the lottery. And I won the lottery for the three-day pass. So no I like way. two weeks later, like, congratulations, you have tickets to all three nights of fish <laughs> at the Greek. <laughs> and not only did I see fish at the Greek, but I actually saw some of three fish concerts three nights in a row at the that... Greek last week. What did you say to your wife? Like... Hey, guess oh, what? We're laughing about it. I mean, okay, she's been making fun about it for months. We, it's been a family joke. Okay, like, good. He was in on it. Like last week, he was like, "Is it fish week?" I'm like, "Not yet, honey." <laughs> <laughs> but hey. um, the band the band still sounds really good. But the scene around it was so desultory. I will never go see them again. It was such Ooh. a like like worse than a, twenty years ago. 
Yeah, because it's all the same stupid nitrous oxide balloons and shrooms and people too drunk to stand in a line with police officers standing there letting it all happen like a giant open air Amsterdam drug market and everyone's my age. So it's just it's Dude. not kids doing it. It's like my peers, I don't know, locking their kids in their rooms and going out to do whippets and shrooms on a Monday night. <laughs> I was so unimpressed. I was so and, and of course. Like in the line, they're all like, hey, it's all one big family. Let's share drugs. Then you get inside and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm saving this seat for my three friends who aren't here yet. Like you can't find a seat and everybody's an entitled, tarping asshole. Like I just sat way far away. It's funny. There's a bunch of audience video of and uh, two nights I sat in the highest, highest, furthest point of the cement bowl. And you can actually see me really well when people do the like, Look at all the, the people. There's like one dude alone <laughs> in the corner, and I'm like, "Hello, it's me." <laughs> but uh, but they had a couple of really. Bit. There were a couple of moments I really enjoyed, but um, whoa, just not my. Just so unimpressed by the. Oh, that's such a bummer. Hey, I saw the uh, Sadies. You remember when we did the Toronto yeah. podcast? The the Sadies were uh, his favorite band. Um. And they came to the Great Eagle here in Asheville. So I got to see like a, an alt country band from Toronto. It was really fun to get out. Not a oh, lot of people yeah. there. It's too bad. But they're touring America. If you want to go see the Sadies, put on a really good show. Uh, and real quick, Beyonce, she's won 28 Grammy Awards. She's the most awarded female artist in Grammy history. Um. She's the highest paid black musician in history. She sold over 100 million records worldwide. But then uh, for streams, she's her her music has been streamed over 17 billion times on Spotify alone. Forget about Apple Music or any other streaming service. She is absolutely remarkable. All right. Uh, before we get to our three songs, artists, places, etc., um, I want the Revenge Tour to continue for just a moment more. You may have guessed, gentlemen, that if we are in Houston, I'm bringing the NASA segment back onto our podcast. Oh, it hasn't man. it hasn't been here in uh, in a season and a half, but it's back now. Despite what the naysayers say, more NASA content coming our way. We're going to play NASA closest to the pin. Uh, Name the year where Mission Control in Houston opens. 1968. It's LBJ who moved it. It's 1963. It opens. Jeff is closest to the pin. How many Apollo missions were there? 14. 17. Hole in one, Ben Barton. 14 nice is job. correct. And finally, on the NASA corner. For the win, many, Ben. How many space shuttle missions were there? Missions the, or sh- actual shuttles? Uh, no, missions that the shuttles took. 135. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> 74. It's 135. How the hell did oh you do God, that? He's looking at it. No way. I'm not looking at it. I did that. Just you just had two hole in ones off the top of your head. Timmy, Holy I love cow. NASA. Everybody knows. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Seriously, you guessed 135? There were a lot of them, Jeff. There were a lot of them. I was going to guess like every month for a long time. Yeah, but 112 would have. Wow. That's an amazing on the nose guess. You should be celebrating more than you are. This is the. The Apollo 14 one was easier because there was only one after the bad one. And I think it's Apollo 13 that was the bad one, right? Yeah. It was. Yeah, good call. That's a great movie. Did they do Apollo? Did they just do Apollo fourteen to prove that they could do an Apollo? (laughs) Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, our three songs or albums or artists or venues. What do you got? Jeff, stop. You want me to go? Yeah. Okay. Um, I am going to spend some time talking about the guy who I think saved the electric guitar. For rock music in the early 1980s so there is this moment when the electric guitar is the instrument of youth culture right like the beatles when they started experimenting with feedback and distortion and everybody starts doing that and you get your first virtuoso and Jimi hendrix and then the 70s are dominated by fleet-fingered virtuosic guitar players right eric clapton jimmy page blah 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 when we get to the 1982 era, we're headed into one of the most trebly moments in music history. There's two kinds of music that are becoming really popular. One is synth pop. The other is heavy metal. And they both are mixed for the new Walkman headphone, walk around with your cassette player and bring your music with you experience. So they're designed to cut through city noise, cut through background noise and those records are mixed like dentist drills. They're so trebly that they shake your teeth. And, you know, synths are just squeaky clean. We've got electronic drums for the first time. Everything is on a grid. We got no dirt. We got no grit. We got no mud. We've got no blues. We've got no R&B. We've they've got no swing. There's no backbeat to popular music. Everything is like starting to sound like Take On Me by Aha, right? Even heavy metal is using electronic to keep everything going like the scorpions you know are are mixed to a grid people are trying to tap like eddie or they're trying to put on makeup and become the flock of seagulls the only real rock and roll guitars left are the punks and they don't play very well as a source of pride they don't do solos they don't do riff it's chords 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 and a cloud of dust right and i love the sound of those guitars but they're not virtuosic and it's into that moment that Stevie Ray Vaughan appears seemingly from nowhere, but like any good American story, after a decade of hard work, he appears with his debut record, Texas Flood. But more important for me is either the second record, Couldn't Stand the Weather, but most significant is a live performance he does on the Texas Flood Tour at the Elma Combo in Toronto that's almost immediately circulated as a bootleg. You could get it everywhere. And uh, that is the moment when the the old great guitar sound that becomes the sound of Americana, that becomes the sound of the 90s rock uh, that we love, is reclaimed, right? Is Here's a guitar that cries and sings and is flashy and impressive, but it's thick and it's dirty. Vaughn used extra, extra huge heavy gauge strings because he was a big guy with really big hands and strong fingers and he would bend the hell out of these really really different whereas heavy metal guys are using really feather light weight gauge so they can get all that great tapping sound 
if you tried to tap on Stevie's Stabcaster, it would just go, pup, 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 pup. you wouldn't get any noise because the strings are as fat as your thumb, right? And Vaughn is a classic Texas story. He's a classic American story. Steve Ray Vaughn and Double Trouble form in 1972 when he's a high school dropout from Dallas. And they play juke joints and clubs and barbecues for a decade before they finally get a record deal. And so they seemingly come out of nowhere like, wow, this debut artist, where'd this guy come from? He's put in his 10,000 hours. He's done his Beatles and Hamburg stuff, right? And and it's a great mishmash of everything I love about American art, right? It's the classic Texas you know, Tex-Mex of white and black music, blues and rock music, swing and hard rock. It's an aw shucks trio with no overdubs and very little stage presence. It's just three guys standing still, like just smiling. But it's so arrogant and it's so swaggery. It's hilarious. Steve Ray Vaughn's 80-minute set had 25 minutes of Hendrix covers in it on this tour. Like, you know how insane that is to cover Voodoo Child? as the third song in your set and then cover little wing and the third stone from the sun as the finale of your set. I mean, Vaughn was just like, you remember Jimi Hendrix? I'm as good as Jimi Hendrix, but he's doing it with this like kind of Texas laid back, like whatever, man. And uh, let's everybody just drink a beer and chill out. And he becomes the only real new guitar hero of the eighties. Who's not in a hair band or not strictly a blues player, like somebody like Robert Cray. Right. And the result is not seen immediately, I don't think, except that punks and new wave kids decided it was okay to play a little bit again. And so you go from this like gang, 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 of the Ramones and suddenly you've got Peter Buck who's doing some birdsy kind of picking. You get Robert Smith who starts writing riffs. You get Bob Molden who's Scradue. You get Johnny Marr and the Smiths. You get Bob Stinson and the Replacements who are still playing mostly chordal things, but they're adding these colors and they're adding a little cool little riff of virtuosity and then all of this stuff will feed the Americana movement that we love so much. You can thank the replacements for Wilco, but there's a ton of good old fashioned rock and roll in there. And Stevie Ray Vaughan for me is the was for me this essential piece that took me back to some of that bluesy original first generation 60s rock. I'm going to play the first minute and a half of Stevie Ray Vaughan live at the Elma Combo. This is a club that holds 180 people. It's a really famous club in Toronto. Um, it's kind of a tastemaker club. But this is his first tour. These are the size of the rooms he's playing. They're barnstorming the country, finally with a record deal playing in front of anybody who will hear them. The show starts with back-to-back -back guitar instrumentals. He doesn't sing until the third song. The first song, he just comes out and just blazes and tears the roof off and we can't play the whole thing but it's so great and then the next one he plays this laid back unbelievable swinging song where he riffs all over that and then he plays love struck baby but i just think it's such an amazing thing to be so good and have been waiting so patiently for your moment and then when you have it not to conform to what you're supposed to do not to try to be a great singer and play guitar behind it steve ray Vaughan was guitar out front I play this thing better than anybody you've ever met. And my voice is pretty good too, but he never, you know, and I don't love where he was headed. Like when he got sober and in step, that record's cheesy. I'm tragic that he died in a helicopter crash in 1989. We didn't get to really hear where he would have gone 
um, if he'd lived to see the kind of resurgence of his music through the Black Rose and, and some of those other bands. But here's Steve Ray Vaughan playing a song called Testify at the Elma Combo in 1983, I think. From Austin, Texas, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. <laughs> It's really difficult for me to turn off, but oh, it's no. just such a like it starts as this great riff, and he's like, Let me show you every trick every guitarist has ever learned, and then he just keeps going one up and one up and one up, and that's where the show starts. You know, Is the second you song, Rude Mood, what's the second instrument? It's called uh, the first song, Testify, and then he plays So Excited, is the second one, which isn't even on a record, I don't think. It's like a hey, give us um, give us like 15 seconds of Rude Mood. All right, just a sec. I got to go off of YouTube to do that. Um, yeah, just... I can't imagine... Can you imagine, like, uh, being in that sweaty club and seeing that? It's like, where the hell yeah. does this show go from here? Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, throws the whole book at you, and then it's like, don't worry, the next 80 minutes will get better. This is crazy. Here's group <laughs> So I, I dig the one that you chose. Testify is great, too. I like Rude Mood of the instrumentals of that period. My It's my favorite. And the reason why is, well, so first, uh, is it okay for me to talk for a second? Yeah, so yeah. Okay. I love I love that the, the trio version of C.B. Ray Vaughan is one of my all-time favorite oh. musical collections. Um, and then Jeff is completely right. When he, he sobers up and in step and he adds a keyboardist, it's the classic thing where it's just like lazy, like not to be mean, but he just was tired of carrying a band. When you hear yeah. Rude Mood, just listen to how much freaking work that guy does. The testifies amazing because it's one solo on top of another. Rude Mood is like a full band orchestra, except it's just him. 
yep. the, the, the drums and the bass don't even come in until 25 seconds into the song and you don't even notice that they're not there because he's doing so much with the guitar he's like, you know what's great when i was a kid i was like it's too bad the guitar and the drums don't like show out with the same way vaughn did and now that i'm an adult who's played bass behind guys that good i'm just like that just they do exactly what they should do they hold it down so spectacularly and they get out of that guy's way and they don't pull focus and i mean tim have you never seen video of these guys playing it is hilarious they are just standing still they're just like three super tall texas dudes like just what's up how you doing this is no they finish a song boom and they're just like and the police go crazy they're just standing there like yeah yeah we know i mean it's like that classic texas like don't move too quickly. You might start sweating, but then just <laughs> burn it down. Oh, that's awesome. Show after show. There are so them. many Stephen Ray Vaughan bootlegs, and none of them are bad. Like up through 85, every one of them is like, I cannot believe how good this guy is. Like song after song after song after song is so consistent. I saw him several different times in high school. And then again in college, I told the first half of this story for uh, the old school 50 year old white guy fans. Uh-huh. You'll know it as the salt and pepper episode that yes. happened on the way New Year's Eve to see Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble at the Ritz. Two sets. First Woo-hoo! set, an hour and a half that goes from maybe 10 to 1130 flying just so fast blew the doors off the place. I couldn't believe it. Takes an hour off, comes back at 1230. And whether it was pot or heroin or alcohol or all three, just Uh nothing but slow blues numbers for an hour and a half on the way out. And man, was it a great show. It was so unbelievably good and energetic and just the sheer musicianship of him. Um, And that was like, that's why it's weird. It's like, I'm hurt. Like I'm mad when he added the keyboardist, like it hurt my feelings because it was such a step down from, um, from what he was capable of. I understand where he's coming from, but to see that guy carry that band, just absolutely jaw dropping and incredible. Wow. What do you think of my whole save the, the lead guitar I like that idea. I'm playing with that in my head. I, I mean, I I, I'm not anti. Yeah, I I, I think that's really interesting. Uh, he was the and, one guy everybody agreed with, like the punk rockers I hung out with, the heavy metal kids, the the synth. Like nobody shat on Steve Ray Vaughan. Yeah. They might not like the music, but they're like, yeah, that guy. There's something there. Like I didn't know a single person who wasn't like clunk when they watched him play. You know? when the, what year did he die? Eighty five. 89 89 that late okay sorry go ahead um it was also like uh the virtuosity in the 80s had just been taken by the guys who were imitating van halen and steve Vai and ingvay momstein and stuff like that and it was just faster and faster and faster and faster but not um just all fast like hammering and stuff not even fast like the the punk stuff right Um, yeah so it was a huge breath of fresh air to have a guy be a traditional rock act and just come out and shred that was first. And then um, he was really open about how much he owed to Hendrix and Albert King and, and in some ways kind of stole from, um, but that was super likable too. Like this, he, yeah. was a le- he was a legit kind of sort of blues, but also rock act. And um, it, he really resuscitated that too. I saw um, on a separate occasion, I saw Robert Cray and him open for Hen- uh, for Clapton 
and that mm. was a fantastic show too. I think nice. it was on the on the Journeyman tour. It was when Clapton was kind of sort of getting back into stopping playing keyboards. Oh no, you and I saw the Journeyman tour together, and I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been an earlier one. Maybe it was the Behind the Sun tour or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, fantastic. <laughs> All right, Ben, take it away. All right, a slight change in directions. I'll say. So the <laughs> Ghetto Boys. Spelled both G-H-E-T-T-O and then G-E-T-O boys are this Houston rap act that start in the 80s and then have some like light level hits in the late 80s, early 90s. They're one of the very first acts of Southern rap. They're like a real progenitor to everything that happens in Houston and then all over the place. They're actually, it's like their credit as being one of the first major rap acts from outside of New York or LA. This is a non-West Coast, East Coast thing. Um, and so and they sort of birthed us, the, the Houston sound. Um, the uh, list of the members of the band is hilarious because they just kept swapping guys out. There's been... Eight different people in the band. The three people that are the mainstays are Bushwick Bill, Scarface, and Willie D. Those are the three. But other members include Prince Johnny C, Raheem, Sir rap The Sire Jukebox, DJ Ready Red, <laughs> and Big Mike. They just kept rotating in Nicely done. different random guys. By the way, Sir rap is really on the nose. Yeah, like, oh, that's right. he really, and that's, you know, aptly named. Named for yeah. what he does. Right. Or that's uh, like Earl of Sandwich. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> So they're uh, early gangster rap acts and like a, almost like a horrorcore act, like like really, really violent, really, really angry. I have three songs by them that I really love, and I'm not going to make Timmy listen to but, uh, one of them. One of them is called Fuck em, which is just these three guys listing things that they hate and yelling fuck em about. <laughs> Actually, I might so after my like, week. I, that might be my anthem. This oh, week, dude, listen! But, yeah. I have it in my. I have a list of my favorite songs. It's fifteen hundred songs long, and I'll just hit shuffle on the walk into work, and sometimes uh-huh. it sets the mood for me. <laughs> I uh, and you know how like humans create narratives from random events. So yes. I'm parking my car in a rush because I'm late to a faculty meeting. Uh-huh. Pop out, hit shuffle. And it's fuck them, fuck, fuck them, fuck them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's gonna be a good meeting. I'm gonna bring this energy into this set place the tone. Me. Um, so that one definitely would not please uh, Timmy. Timmy would be pleased. Yeah. By, um, but I'm not going to choose that one either. No. Oh, no. that's right. Timmy wants me to choose. Uh, it feels great. To, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. That's correct. Uh, this is their, they, so their, their hits are all in this 80, 88 to 92 phase. And they're resuscitated in 99 in the great movie Office Space. And the scene where they're destroying the printer. <laughs> the song that's playing behind it. <laughs> so is funny. Oh, my God. If you want to actually like them and you don't like rap music, that's the one. It's nice and slow. It's kind of sing-songy. It's actually like a little bit early Drake-ish because it's got, it's got a kind of a mellow vibe to it. Instead, I'm going to choose their biggest hit and my favorite, Mind Playing Tricks on Me. Jeff, I'm going to ask you to go to 225, and then I'm going to explain why I think that this is actually a really important rap song and a very interesting artistic statement by these guys. All right. Day by day, it's more impossible to cope. I feel like I'm the one that's doing dope. Can't keep a steady hand because I'm nervous. Every Sunday morning, I'm in service. Praying for forgiveness. And trying to find an exit out the business. I know the Lord is looking at me. 
But yet and still it's hard for me to feel happy I often drift when I drive Having fatal thoughts of suicide Bang and get it over with And then I'm worry free But that's bullshit I got a little boy to look after And if I die then my child will be a bastard I had a woman down with me But to me it seemed like she was down to get me She helped me out in this shit But to me she was just another bitch Now she's back with her mother Now I'm realizing that I love her Now I'm feeling lonely My mind is playing tricks on me How do I know that song? Where do I know that from? Oh, you're you're muted. Sorry, so that's uh, the sample is uh, Isaac Hayes song, "Hung Up on My Baby." Yeah, no, no, my mind is playing tricks on me. I someone made that on a mixtape for me once. Oh, time all right. How, how you yeah. know the song? Yeah, the song's like the song's a pretty well known rap song. Yeah. Um, here's what I like about it, and um, it's a transition into this new phase of gangster rap where it's actually about the like massive psychic harm and freight that comes along with living this lifestyle right. um, and it's just one verse after another of them being paranoid it's ruining their lives they can't stand it they can't they don't have relationships they're they're like uh dream they're, they're dreaming of people trying to kill them they can't can't get out of their own way um and if you've read anything about the sociology and the studies of people who live in areas of violent crime like it's super 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 devastating and destructive and in particular like uh like young african-american boys are like the most sensitive to this and it has the most long time um harm to it and uh seen in that light there's something like there's something really powerful about this art like them describing um not like the joy of shooting something it's not like a dmx song where they're just like having an amazing time doing it it's like destroying them they're miserable at it and they can't get out of it right all right timmy close this out man yeah let's get it done uh good stuff there but by the way um after this podcast is over i'm playing damn it feels good to be a gangster and walk it i love that mind playing tricks that's the one though i you know, you know, I I'm on record for not being a big gangster rap fan, but that song, I love that song from the second I heard it. I think it's great, and for all the reasons that Ben just said, like, yeah, it's got depth and complexity that set it apart, like, right away, and when it first came out. Right. Yeah. Uh. Well, what we're gonna do right now is we're going to uh, position Houston, uh, to be in line with the amazing music cities of Nashville, Memphis, and New Orleans. Because I discovered Quinn Recording Studio. I had known nothing about this place. Um, but it is America's longest running or continuously running uh, recording studio. Started way back when in the early 40s. Uh, Big Mama Thornton records Hound Dog there. Uh, Gory Carter records Rock a While, which has a, a claim for the first rock and roll song. Um, Treat It Right. I love that song, but we're going to listen to Tighten Up. Hit it. Oh, that's a great one. Such a great choice. I'm proud of you. And here we go. Pew. Houston, Texas, we don't only sing, but we dance just as good as we want. 
Now you gotta know this song's important to this podcast. I cannot oh. tell you how important this song is to this podcast because I was a huge Archie Bell and the Drells fan when I went uh-huh. to college, and I went and saw went to a party and there was a band <laughs> playing and they started playing Tighten Up and I was like, because I and uh, the uh, lead guitar player playing that song was one Benjamin Horn Barton. Yay, uh, let's go. Was, staple and they no played the way. hell out of this song and i was like a i'm coming becoming friends with that guy and b how am i not in this that band is amazing so. i know you're generous to say that we played it well but we did in fact play it and it just like it kills me every time but the joy that archie bell has to announcing it everything yeah. like, oh my god mm, that's good it's <laughs> so good anytime there's talking over music oh. i'm like yeah oh. let's go the whole the sub Subgenre of these songs like Memphis Soul Stew, and there's a bunch of others where you break it down, you bring it back up, and basically the vocals are like, Now we're going to play that. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Albert King has a couple of those too. Ah, yes. and good fantastic. Stuff. No, this Tighten is a good one. Up. That's a good I'm example gonna... of it. I'm going to so, go. Man, this and, is uh... such a tragic story. These guys die in a plane crash, right? No, yeah. I can yeah, the a... only have one hit because they, they're on tour, becoming super, and they're all teenagers. And then the plane, I'm pretty sure that's them. So we got a helicopter crash and a plane crash? Um, I might be wrong. Maybe it's another band I'm thinking of, but I thought Archie Bell and the Drill. Yeah, Stevie Ray yeah. died in a helicopter crash, right? Yeah. yeah. Colorado. Is that? Oh, is no, that it's right? a truck accident. Okay. Truck it's not the accident. plane crash. I'm wrong about that. <laughs> Less glamorous, but still equally fatal. So no. Ben should have picked Buddy Holly, and we would have really. Who am I thinking of? Who's the band of kids? From the late 60s who had like a one-off super hit like this and then the, the might have been the band that does everybody plays the fool maybe the main ingredient i'm i'll figure that out for next time i think it was the partridge family they had a if only band. oh my god wow well, I, was, I, I thought i was making the... a bad joke yeah well the big bopper and buddy holly and richie valance all go down in the plane yeah yeah that's 57 all right, okay, gentlemen. Can I um can I push my gig for local listeners? Yeah. Yes, please. So May 12th, Friday, May 12th in Berkeley. I'll be headlining. Let's go. Room in Hopkins. I'm gonna play a short set by myself and then bring out the fellas and play a full band set. Um so get where, your tickets. Where, where is this? Back room. The back room. Excellent. Back room, Berkeley, hey, California. Oh. That is awesome. I'm going to see uh Wilco this Friday night, but I might be traveling. On Thursday to Knoxville to see if I can go with Ben as well. Woo! So, are there still tickets available, or did you buy me a ticket? We have a ticket for you if you want. All right. Um, now you I gotta will, go. You I gotta will... send me some pictures too. If you guys go to see Wilco together, and I don't get, get and Scott Chimmel. Scott Chimmel will be there. Yes. Long time listener, Scott Chimmel will be there. Yes, Scott. I have one of those little posters of Jeff's face, so we'll bring that along too. 
Scott just sent me a hilarious photo, Ben. Uh, he was at a furniture store and it was like an old, like one of those big old turntables. It's like a piece of furniture. And the record was the orchestral version of Tommy. And he just said it to me. <laughs> like, so great. That's so awesome. That's a great Scott Schimmel get right there. Uh, all right, gentlemen. Good night tonight. I will see you guys next week. Indeed. Well done, Indeed. fellas. All right. Peace. Be well. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.